Episodes of Idolo are presented in both English and Spanish. This is the English version. Si quieres escuchar en español, vuelve al feed y selecciona el título en español. This podcast contains graphic language, scenes of violence, and drug use that are not suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. Episode 4. The One Bad Song Theory. It's 1984, and Chalino finds himself in the crowded prison of La Mesa in Tijuana. His jail cell is small, cold, and dirty. There's a pair of old bunk beds on the opposite sides of the cell occupied by people who have been there for years. New inmates, like Chalino, tend to sleep on the concrete floor. The exact reason Chalino was in jail is unclear. Some rumors say Chalino was locked up for avenging his brother's death. Others that it was for running drugs. But it may have also been just a bunch of small-time crimes. Supposedly, he was locked up with a bunch of other people from Sinaloa. Chalino and the rest of the culichis would kill time by telling each other stories of valientes or brave outlaws from their hometowns to the sound of a guitar in the background. Eventually, Chalino put these elements together and wrote his first corrido, which immortalized the death of his brother Armando. And that's how his career as a corrido writer began. So when Chalino was in prison, he ended up befriending a lot of people involved in the mafia. This is Rolling Stone writer Isabella Regosa. He began to sing in prison. He always had a craft for songwriting. Chalino had a way with words, and the other inmates started to notice. Soon, some of the prisoners began to ask Chalino to write corridos about them, or about their friends and relatives from back home. He ended up writing a lot of songs for these inmates. La Mesa Prison in Tijuana has a reputation for being a rough place. Just Google it to see for yourself. Chalino learned to navigate within this world, hustle, trade, bargain. And he quickly saw his corrido writing skills as currency. He wrote individually tailored songs for the inmates in exchange for favors, items, or actual money. And business boomed. Chalino's knack for lyrics about criminals seemed to reflect his firsthand experience. Violence was not a new thing to Chalino. He was basically born into that world. So knowing criminals, murderers, and drug traffickers made it easier for him to write these prison ballads. But some believe that by writing them, he was signing his own death warrant. According to the One Bad Song Theory, Chalino could have been murdered in 1992 because of the lyrics he wrote. It's not exactly known which of his songs might have led to his death because Chalino composed dozens of corridos about and for criminals. And all those criminals had enemies. Enemies who get jealous. Enemies who might just kill a man because he didn't like a song that man wrote. For Futuro Studios and Sonoro in association with Inmelo Productions, I'm Eric Galindo and this is Idolo, the Ballad of Chalino Sanchez. 
a show about the man who would become known as the godfather of narco corridos, whose life would become its own kind of legendary drug ballad. After months in prison, Chalino's finally set free sometime in 1985. He's only 25 years old, and when he crosses back into California, he's surprised to find that his fame as a jailhouse Bob Dylan is well known among some narcos in LA's drug scene, and they too want him to write their adventures into corridos. Chalino decides to continue his prison hustle and begins trying to live off his newly discovered talent. Writer Elijah Wall describes Chalino in this time period as a freelance music writer in demand among small-time nauticals and bad men. His clients' life experiences were similar to his. They had weapons, money, and many of them were high school dropouts. People who didn't want their stories written down on the pages of a book. They wanted them on a cassette, one they could listen to while they drove through the streets of Los Angeles or to flex while having a drink with their friends. Chalino's pen was turning unknown outlaws into local legends. Chalino started by writing 15 corridos for 15 clients in California. He had a natural talent for composing, but his voice was untrained, raw, rough, and he knew it. So he went looking for a professional singer to record his corridos. But destiny had its own plans. In 1987, Chalino Sanchez met Los Cuatro de la Frontera, a local L.A. band that played regional Mexican music. He asked them to record some of his songs, and they agreed to book a recording date in a studio that belonged to a producer named Angel Para. According to journalist Sam Quinones, the singer of the band was unavailable. Maybe he wasn't too comfortable recording a bunch of drug ballads about real-life narcos. ¿Por qué no llegan esos cabrones? But Chalino was more worried about disappointing his gun-toting customers. So he jumped in front of the mic and sang the songs himself. In another version of the story, Chalino didn't like how the singer from the band interpreted his song. Here's Isabella Regoza. Chalino was just getting angrier and angrier and angrier, saying, hey, that's not the way it goes. This is not the way you sing it. So he just like yanked the mic out of his hand and just started like wailing out. It doesn't matter which version is real. What matters is that thanks to this small incident, Chalino began his career as a singer. Legend has it that after just four hours in the studio, Chalino and Los Cuatro La Frontera recorded all 15 corridos, all barked out and recorded on tape by this 25-year-old man with a distinct Gulichi accent. He was known for having like this passionate wail, like a super high-pitched voice when he sang, but that convicted so much emotion. And that voice, the fact that it wasn't conventional, is part of what made Chalino so dope. This is Edgar Cabachuela, a musician from Paramount who was inspired by Chalino. You could straight out tell when he was a little bit off. He was a little bit off tune. He had a nasal feeling to it, especially when he did the love songs. Oh, man. Ya después de muerto, ya después de muerto, ya después de muerto, no todo es igual. 
if we're talking about corridos, you know, where the belting really matters, it's not just what you're singing, but it's how you're singing. It's the ganas you're singing it with. That's Maria Garcia, host of the Anything for Selena podcast. She's a big Chalino fan. So big, she actually named her dog Chalino. Nobody had, like, the belting ability, the voice that he had. Like, he wasn't, like, some virtuoso. Like, it's like the guttural sort of passion that he sang with is unmatched. Whether it was his voice or his lyrics... Chalino's popularity began to gain traction among Mexican immigrants and their American kids. He also quickly got the attention of people in Southern California's Movida, a.k.a. the drug game. A few months after his first recording, Chalino returned to Angel Para Studio to record another 15 corridos for 15 more clients. The same thing happened on a third occasion. But this time, Chalino asked Bada for a few more copies of the cassettes since he kept running out. Bada, who was business savvy, suggested making 300 copies. And Chalino was like, fuck it, why not? And Bada's intuition was right. All the copies sold out. Chalino was on to something. Here's Isabella Regoza from Rolling Stone. And when he began to record music, he had like all these tapes, you know, that they were just putting out. And of course, his music was too crass and too crude for the radio. So then he, knowing how to be a hustler, ended up just selling his tapes, even in car washes or anywhere where the like local immigrant community who are the audience for this genre would sort of hang out. So he started selling his music in that kind of way, like slanging, but, you know, through the streets. Chalion began writing more songs to keep up with the demand. And many of these songs were what's commonly known today as narco corridos. Narco corridos are basically songs, ballads, folktales, whatever you want to call them, that tell the stories of people working up the ladder or living the lives of drug traffickers. Often a narco corrido is told in first person, giving the audience a chance to empathize for the character and even root for them, like their anti-heroes in your favorite HBO series. The first I have been able to document are from the late 1920s or early 1930s. That's Dr. Juan Carlos Ramirez Pimienta, a professor at San Diego State University who studies the history of corridos. According to his research, the first narco corridos were recorded in the U.S. because at the time, recording studios were not really a thing in northern Mexico where the drug ballads were originating. So many musicians from those areas crossed to the United States to record. Big companies in the United States, they used to have a uh, sub-label that they would call the ethnic label. And so they would have people going and recording the African-American experience and then also the Mexican experience in Texas and in California. And so they would go to the border cities, to El Paso, which is the first city in which narcocorridos were recorded. The first examples of the genre were not about selling coke or weed, but about another substance that was illegal in the U.S. at the time, alcohol. These corridos were called corridos tequileros. But there were other corridos that would set the tone for present-day drug ballads. 
1934, Manuel Valdez and Juan Gonzalez recorded a corrido named Por Morfina y Cocaina about a band of criminals who end up in prison and serve as an example to anyone who wants to follow in their footsteps. Four decades later, at the beginning of the 1970s, the narco corrido gained popularity thanks to five youngsters from a small town in Sinaloa. They call themselves Los Tigres del Norte. After five of their albums came and went unnoticed, in 1974, they released Contrabando y Traición, Contraband and Betrayal, which includes a song with the same name. Contrabando y Traición is a present-day Bonnie and Clyde tale with a twisted ending. It's a fictional story about drug trafficking and unrequited love. That song would help shape the modern narco corrido and push the genre into pop culture. They used to say, oh, Chalino Sanchez is the person who invented narco corridos. That wasn't the case. But he did bring new life into narco corridos. Chalino's corridos, unlike Camelia La Tejana, were about specific real narcos, characters that a lot of people in Mexican and Mexican-American communities had heard of. Él le cantó a Javier Torres, al JT, le canta un corrido en, en su cassette que él grabó, y mi compa Javier, pues él, él es muy buena gente. For example, Nacho Hernández, Chalino's band leader, says Chalino wrote a song for Javier Torres as in Javier Torres Felix, a former high-ranking member of the Sinaloa cartel. Yo lo conozco. Yo lo, lo he tratado, pues, poquito, pero he convivido con él, es muy buena persona. Nacho says that he, too, had met Javier Torres, and according to him, Javier is a nice person. Hay uno que otro que sea pesado y que sea carajo, sí, que no sea buena onda, puede ser. Pero del 100%, el 99% es gente fina, gente buena, gente que le gusta la música, gente que paga la música. Some cartel guys are dicks, says Nacho, but 99% of them are dope people who like music and support music. In Chalino's Corrido, Javier Torres Felix is depicted as brave and loyal. And a ladies' man, too. JT, as Nacho calls him, is a drug trafficker who began his criminal career in the early 90s and quickly became one of Ismael El Mayo Zambada's most trusted men. He worked for the cartel until 2004, when he was arrested by Mexican authorities. Since then, JT has been in prison, first in the United States and now in Mexico. They may not have been the closest friends, 
But in some way or another, Chalino and JT had a relationship, at least a business relationship. After all, Nacho says that these people are the ones who paid for verses from Chalino. At least 37 of his corridos were commissioned for guys like Torres Felix. That big shift to hyperviolence and the hyperglorification of violence hadn't happened yet. That's USC professor Josh Kuhn. Today, narco corridos are bloody as hell. But Chalino's corridos were more about themes like bravery, honor, grit, and determination. They weren't about violence. Violence happened, but that wasn't the point of them. They were about documenting trade, traffic, maybe shootouts and control for territory. But it wasn't about kidnapping. It wasn't about murder. It wasn't about violence for the sake of violence. He was like, you know, he was new school for that old school, but he was the last of that old school in some ways. Chalino's singing and writing style, his lifestyle even, was the perfect combination to revolutionize the genre in the 80s and 90s. And soon, Chalino's songs would help him become crowned the king of corridos. When I was a kid, the thing I really liked about Chalino was that he was real. But as an adult, what I admire most is that he was a misfit who made his own thing. For people like me who grew up stuck between Mexican and American cultures, not fitting in can sometimes feel like a huge problem. So when I saw someone like Chalino create a career shaped by not fitting into the status quo with his own style of corridos, it really gave me hope. Chalino was DIY like early hip-hop or punk rock. He didn't wait for the system to open its doors to him. He went to the streets to get his music out by word of mouth. He was young, hip, had style, but also someone that Mexican immigrants in the United States could identify with. People from the Pueblos, who lacked the same opportunities as he did. Immigrants who came to California to find a better life. Chalino was singing to himself. Chalino was an underdog, the outcast of Mexican regional music, but the people loved him. The Tejana tilted to the side, silk shirts with the buttons undone to show his chest, golden chains around his neck, his cowboy boots, and a gun secured to the pants. That was Chalino, a fly dude young people could look up to and a powerful symbol for recent immigrants looking for a piece of the old country in America. He had a very unique Sinaloense vibe to him, right? El cinto piteado, las botas. That's Yara Ramos, a news anchor on Univision. Un estilo muy ranchero, un estilo muy Sinaloense, like a very Sinaloense style. That's the way my dad dressed. <laughs> Con sus botas with that kind of like style of shirts. De avestruz, de cocodrilo, con las camisas así, you know, silk shirts, you know, like that. Kind of like very edgy style, but it had that essence of a pueblo, of a rancho. And Mexican kids from L.A., people like my friend Donnie Robles, who used to dress hip hop, Chalino would eventually make them want to switch it up and cop his nautical chic style instead. And it was crazy. I remember the time I told my dad uh, that I wanted some boots. Damn, he almost cried. Dude. Oh, shit. I want a Tejana. Uh, he was, uh, you know, it was funny, but yeah. And then to me, I used to go to school to Clearwater in boots. 
but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Because before Chalino could blow up, he had to meet the musician that would complement Chalino's voice and become the perfect partner for his corridos. My name is Nacho Hernandez. Tengo a los amables del norte por 26 años. Nacho Hernandez is a renowned accordion player and band leader of Los Amables del Norte, and one of Chalino's best friends and fellow culichi. He says he's been playing the accordion since he was eight years old. Pero yo, desde los ocho años, empecé a tocar el acordeón allá en mi rancho, Culiacán, Sinaloa, un ranchito cerca de Culiacán. Nacho first met Chalino in an Inglewood recording studio. But the first time he heard of Chalino was back in Sinaloa, when a friend of his came to the house with a cassette. It turned out to be one of Chalino's first recordings. Nacho's friend put the cassette in the stereo and pressed play. Side A had 15 corridos, and they listened to them all. Nacho didn't like his music at first, but out of respect for his friends, he kept listening to the tape. His friend turned the cassette and started playing side B. Otra vez los 15 corridos. Otra vuelta, otra... Hey, hey, quita ese cochinero, le dije. Así le dije, quita ese cochinero. Nacho had had enough. Another 15 songs was too much. Turn off that trash. That guy's a bad singer, he told his friend. Canta muy feo, le dije yo. Porque cantaba feo. In 1988, Nacho migrated to California and settled in Inglewood. By that time, Chalino had heard about Nacho and his talent as an accordion player and wanted to meet him. Nacho wasn't interested, but Chalino insisted. He had money to pay for a session, and that caught Nacho's attention. En cuanto empezó a cantar Chalino Sánchez con mi acordeón, se me olvidó lo que yo decía que cantaba muy feo. Me encantó. Me gustó mucho. Nacho says that as soon as Chalino began to sing along to his accordion, his opinion changed. There was something about it. He liked it. For some people, Chalino's voice is an acquired taste. It's like smoking weed for the first time. It might burn, make you cough. You may feel guilty, even like you're doing something bad. But then, if you stop tripping and let it wash over you, it hits and it's a fucking vibe. And you think to yourself, I want more. And this time, Nacho was lit on some Chalino chronic. He for sure wanted more. A partir de que Chalino Sánchez grabó el primer cassette conmigo, él de vender 5,000 unidades, 4,000, 5,000, cuando grabó el primer cassette conmigo, vendió 30,000. Entonces... Se notó que era la combinación perfecta. Chalino Sánchez y los amables del norte. Nacho says that Chalino was selling four to 5,000 cassettes. But after they started to play together, those numbers blew up to 30,000 cassettes. The sound of Nacho's accordion and Chalino's unique voice, together, they made magic. By 1989, Chalino was a full-time composer and singer. He had reached the dream many artists have, to be able to pay the bills with his talent. Él cantaba donde le pagaban. Él cantaba en cantinas, él cantaba en fiestas particulares, él cantaba en nightclubs. That's Marisela Sanchez, Chalino's widow. 
She says Chalino was not picky about where he would play at first. He would play anywhere. Bautizos, quinceañeras, your abuela's backyard gig, anywhere that would pay him. And he would give it his all, no matter the size of the venue. Maricela and Chalino met one rainy morning at a bus stop in their early 20s. She was 24 years old and Chalino was 22. It's a story that feels like it was taken right out of a narco rom-com. In an interview with her friend, journalist Pepe Garza, Maricela says that one day she jumped right off of a bus and into the pouring rain. She was immediately soaked from head to toe. Her perm was ruined. Her curls lost their shape. And Chalino Sanchez was parked on a street corner watching this scene unfold from the comfort of his car. Entonces lo que hizo fue que le como que metió el acelerador para que yo volteara y pensara que me iba a atropellar. She says that as she was crossing the street, Chalino, in order to grab her attention, sped up the car and pretended he was going to run her over. <laughs> y así volteé y lo miré a través del vidrio, se me quedó viendo, se rió. At the last minute, he stopped and started laughing. Y a mí me dio coraje, entonces yo volteé y le dije, "Baboso." Marisela turned and called him a dumbass. Baboso. After this super cringe scene, Chalino offered Marisela a ride. She accepted for some reason, under one condition, that he let her drive. Her idea was to scare him because Chalino was too much of a show-off. She wanted to teach him a lesson. She said she got inside the car and started to drive. At the time, Maricela was used to driving like someone right out of the Fast and Furious, doing Yui's burning rubber. So she did what she knew best and put the pedal to the metal. Chalino told her he was holding on to his life and swore he would never get in a car with her again. But in reality, Chalino had met his match. He fell in love. And for Maricela, even though Chalino was a gun-toting gangster from a very different world in her, something about his bad boy vibe caught her attention. And she fell for him too. Nunca puedes saber qué es lo que va a ser un, un día normal. O sea, era totalmente impredecible. She says that with Chalino, you never knew what you were going to get on any given day. He could very well get into a shootout or defend a drunk in the street. The man was totally unpredictable. In the early 80s, Chalino and Maricela had their son, a future musical star named Adán Sánchez. And then a little while later, a daughter named Cynthia. As his family grew, Chalino's career grew too. By the early 90s, the places where Chalino was performing were too small for the crowds he was drawing. Chalino needed bigger venues for his shows. But with the success of his narco corridos, violence would follow Chalino. Writing about situations related to drug trafficking forced Chalino to keep one foot as an artist and the other as an outlaw. Nunca se le quitó lo loco porque su instinto era ese. Maricela says that Chalino never outgrew his wild side because that was his instinct. Un día me acuerdo que me dijo muy serio, ahora ya se me juntó la familia. But as a family man, the gangster shit was no longer an option. 
He told Maricela he wanted to change his ways and live to see his kids get older. But it wasn't going to be an easy change. Not in his line of work. And this is where we get back to the one bad song theory behind Chalino's death. In the drug dealing business, you can't make everyone happy. Maybe one of Chalino's corridos made a couple mad. Corridos like Javier Torres Felix's, which we mentioned earlier. That song could have caused him problems with an enemy of Javier Torres. But in reality, it could have been any of the corridos that Chalino wrote for these capos. Songs like Chepe Ran. Or Prajedes Felix. Cartels not only produce and distribute drugs, just like any other business, they care about their image. It's practically impossible to write an ode to a drug boss without ending up belittling their enemies and making them look bad. And in this business, the competition is wiped out by bullets. It's possible that this is what ultimately happened to Chalino's Corridos. Perhaps some enemy of Javier Torres Felix thought he was starting to gain power and presence. So he decided to send a message. Kill those who support him, including the man who wrote the corrido. It's the kind of theory you see a lot if you spend some time poking around places on the internet where people like to trade narco gossip and theorize about Chalino's death. We don't know if that really happened. And personally... Even though it makes a certain amount of sense, I don't think the one bad song theory is true. But we do know that one of Chalino's songs was a catalyst of a violent on-stage shootout involving Chalino, Nacho, and several innocent bystanders in the Coachella Valley. He was playing in Coachella in a place called Los Arcos, in El Valle de Coachella, and uh, somebody by the name of Edward Gallegos got a gun out. And immediately people started saying that one of the cartels, Sinaloa cartel, had sent a hitman, which was this Edward Gallegos, to kill Chalino. One of the members from the audience walked up on stage and pulled out a gun. And as soon as Chalino saw that this guy had a gun, Chalino was the first one to fire back at him. And suddenly there was just like this huge gunfight. More on the next episode of Idolo, The Ballad of Chalino Sanchez. Paisanos, y uno que otro volá. 
This podcast is written and reported by Eric Galindo, Alejandro Mendoza, and Juan Diego Ramirez. It's edited by Marlon Bishop and Carmen Graterol, with help from Rodrigo Crespo. It's produced by Juan Diego Ramirez and Liliana Ruiz, with help from Nicole Rothwell, Evelyn Uribe, and Angelina Mosher Salazar. Executive produced for Sonoro Media by Jasmine Romero and Joshua Weinstein. For Futuro Studios by Marlon Bishop and for Sin Miedo by Eric Galindo. Sound design and mixing by Manuel Para. Original music by Hector Fernandez with the help of Alex Mendoza, Carmen Graterol, Jasmine Romero, myself, Eric Galindo, and Juan Diego Ramirez. Performed by Simon Temoxle, Javier Zabaleta, Junior Arismendi, Gerardo Albaran, and Leonardo Cano, aka Quinto Zurdo. Music supervision by Big Sink. Special thanks to Simon Demoxle as Chalino Sanchez. I'm your host, Eric Galindo. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>